Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his sermon number eight, Joseph Butler is going to devote an entire little section to discussing the abuses of anger. And why does he talk in those terms? Because Butler thinks that anger has its legitimate purpose and functions and scope, but it is easy to go wrong with respect to anger. And he thinks that there are common ways in which people do this. And so he's addressing his audience and kind of saying, look out for these that you yourself are liable to fall into just as much as other people are. His first part of this discussion makes a distinction between what he calls passion and peevishness. We don't usually use that word peevishness anymore, so we'll talk about what that consists in. Passion, we often use as like drive or something like that, but he's using it in an older sense as well, where it means the emotion itself going a bit too far in how it works. And so he says, the first of which occurs is what is commonly called passion, to which some people are liable in the same way as others are to the epilepsy or any other sudden particular disorder. This distemper of the mind seizes them upon the least occasion in the world and perpetually without any real reason at all. And by means of it, they are plainly every day, every waking hour of their lives, liable and in danger of running into the most extravagant outrages. A little bit later, he will use the words rage and fury to describe not just the condition, but its expression, right? So they are liable to fall into rage or fury over very minor occasions. This is something that is problematic for a person throughout their entire life. And it could be, as he suggests, a matter of, you know, our bodily constitution or our mind, whatever the, the cause is, because he doesn't go into that. This is a susceptibility ability to become very angry quite easily over minor things. And a lot of these other abuses of anger might feed into it if you are liable to this. Peevishness. What is peevishness? So we might describe it today as being irritable and expressing that in less dramatic ways, but still, you know, bothersome ways than rage and fury. And so he tells us of a less boisterous, but not of a more innocent kind, is peevishness, which I mention with pity. And here he says something really interesting. Pity for the people who are peevish? No. Real pity to the unhappy creatures who from their inferior station or other circumstances and relations are obliged to be in the way of and serve for a supply of it. And he, he tells us it's got the same principle, the same beginning points as passion does. It's just being expressed in, you could say, a less violent, a less boisterous way, but it's still, you know, misdirected anger towards other people. And Butler is saying, yeah, I feel pity towards all the poor bastards that are stuck enduring this from the peevish. He doesn't say he's 
He feels bad for the peevish. He feels bad for everybody else who's stuck dealing with these grumpy, might be another way of expressing it, these, these grumpy, curmudgeonly people who don't get into a rage and fury, but they're, they're sour, they're, they're bitter all the time. So those are two sort of overarching things. And then he gets into a number of more specific, but still rather general ways in which people go wrong with anger. And notice that the ones that he starts with are cognitive. They have to do with our imagination or our inferences that we're drawing. So he says, the chief instances of abuse are, and he's going to list these off, from partiality to ourselves, that means, you know, thinking more about ourselves than other people. We imagine an injury done us when there is none. So this is a very common way in which people go wrong with their anger. Nobody intended to do any injury to them. Nobody intended to insult them, to put them down or cut them out of something. It just happens. And then because it happened to us, we imagine that that's what's really happening. We're, we're projecting that idea out there. Now, it could be that there actually is some sort of injury. And then we also have a tendency stemming from the same thing. We look to ourselves more than to others. When this partiality represents it to us greater than it really is. So, you know, there's an injury, but we take it as being more significant, more damaging, a bigger deal, we might say. And that's on us, right? We're going to get angry in proportion to the degree that we think that somebody is deliberately harming us, right? And then he talks about another interesting one. Here he brings up the feeling itself, right? Resentment. He says, we can fall into extravagant and monstrous kind of resentment towards one who has innocently been the occasion of evil to us. That is resentment on account of pain or inconvenience without injury. So pain or inconvenience takes place, but they're not doing anything to us deliberately. And he says, this is the same absurdity as settled anger at a thing that is inanimate. Like if I get angry at my tie for not, you know, tying into the proper knot or at my technology for not working, right? There is a genuine pain or inconvenience there, right? But nobody's trying to like screw with you. Nobody's doing anything deliberately to bother you, to harm you, to cause you injury. And we feel that resentment as if it is the case, right? He uses another similar synonymous emotion term in the next one. When the indignation against injury and injustice rises too high and is beyond proportion to the particular ill action it is exercised upon. So this is another way in which we go wrong, right? We feel the indignation, which is another synonym for resentment, anger. Uh, against genuine injury and injustice. So now the person is doing something that could anger us, but it's out of proportion to the offense. So somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get out your gun and start shooting at them. Somebody questions your authority and you're like, I'm going to crush you, right? These are all prime examples of that. The notion that if you injure me, I'll hurt you back sevenfold way out of proportion, right? But some people do in fact do that. And then he talks about another one that he doesn't bring this up in terms of cognition or the feeling other than having resentment. And he says, 
when pain or harm of any kind is inflicted merely in consequence of and to gratify that resentment, though naturally raised. I think what he's talking about here is the spillover effect of anger, where sometimes we're, we're angered and we then target other people or other things. We, as we say, take it out on them. We're already in a state and we start looking for targets. He does also mention, this is very interesting, one final factor, right? He says, it would be endless to descend into and explain all the peculiarities of perverseness and wayward humor, which may be traced up to this passion. I'm not going to go into like the whole cause and effect here, he's saying, because he's preaching a sermon. But he does point out one key feature that he says, so generally belongs to and accompanies all excess and abuse of it as to require being mentioned. What is that? This is something that other people have noted about anger as well. It doesn't just stem from getting things wrong in our thinking or imagination, right? In the cognitive side. It also affects how we view things afterwards, including the very anger we feel and the actions that we take as a result of it. So he calls this a certain determination and resolute bent of mind not to be convinced or set right. So you get angry at somebody and they're, you know, talking to you or maybe somebody else is talking to you and they're like, you think that I did this terrible thing, but actually did do something bad, but it's not that bad. So let's take the imagining injury is greater than it is. And you're like, no, it really is that bad. You know, you don't realize, right? We convince ourselves that our anger is justified, whether it is or isn't. And so this is sort of like a, you know, a vice or abuse that is accentuating the other ones. He says, though it be ever so plain, there's no reason for the displeasure. It was raised merely by error or misunderstanding. And what is the root of this? He says, in this, there is doubtless a great mixture of pride, but there is somewhat more, which I cannot otherwise express than that resentment has taken possession of the temper and of the mind and will not quit its hold. And so he says this belongs to the abuses of the passion of anger. And so, you know, all of these can kind of coincide with each other. If you are subject to passion or peevishness, these are the things that can, you know, produce the outbursts or incidents of anger. And so all of these, according to Butler, and I, I don't know that he's trying to make a completely comprehensive list. He's trying to highlight the most common aspects of going wrong with anger. All of these are ways in which we go too far or we get things wrong and they can have uh, some pretty significant effects, not only on us, but on everybody else who has to deal with us. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.